For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Your new or existing home is one of your most important assets, yet too many people rely on sites, shows, and tips from people who are not in the real estate business when making important decisions. It's time to get real and trust a professional. This is Real Real Estate Today with host Deb Tomorrow. In this series, you'll learn about making smart decisions when it comes to buying a home, selling a home, or even staying in the home you're in. Now, here is your host, Realtor Deb Tomorrow. Hello, everyone. Great to have you back. This is Real Real Estate Today, and I am your host, Deb Tomorrow. That's T-O-M-A-R-O. If you want to get a hold of me, you can email me at deb at realrealestatetoday.com, or you can always find me on Facebook. We've had some pretty lively discussions the past couple of days on Facebook, and there'll be good posts uh, going up today related to the show posted by the ever-popular Rachel, our associate producer, the face of an angel, voice of a sailor. She only cussed uh, twice, three times maybe, when she was on the show a couple weeks ago. Oh, I thought you meant since I've been here today. Oh, no, no. <laughs> since you've been here today, she's cussed quite a few more times. But I was proud because your, uh, how old's Jack? Nine? Nine. Your nine-year-old son was in the room, and she only let a few. Yeah. I don't think he was really paying that much attention. I don't think he was paying attention, so, so no need to call CPS on anything. But anyways, so Rachel will be posting. So if you've got questions, uh, you can follow along there as well. The other voice you hear on the microphone is my fearless sidekick, uh, Karen Rastel, who's the best damn letter in the state of Indiana. Hi, Karen. Hello. Karen is a lender at Hallmark Home Mortgage. And uh, things busy for you right now? They are somewhat, a lot of inquiries. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think anyone, um, I would love for people to find a home so we can get the process actually rolling, but just a lot of people wanting to get pre-approved. Sure. I think a a great uh, point, I'm really slow right now. I'm always a little slow, but I'm really slow right now. Um, And that's typical. This is the time of year in our market where realtors panic and go, is it over? Is that it? Is that like, that was my whole career? (laughs) Like literally I've had some moments of panic like that. We have to get through school starting, I think. Yeah. And I go back and I crunch numbers and I realize, oh, it's like this every year. Um, But you forget. And so for our market, it's really slow because we're centered around the university, which just started yesterday was the first day of Indiana Hoosiers coming back. Um, And then our local school started about a week and a half ago. So we're on in that trying to figure out the new norm and everyone's new routine. So nobody's really looking at houses. So my point to that is to talk with your local real estate professional and understand what the market timing is for your particular market, because everybody's going to be a little bit different. Um, Vacation markets are going to be different than, uh, you know, Florida is going to be different than Maine because they've got a different market uh, timing situation. So no more Olympics. I'm a little bit lost at night. I know. A friend of ours posted on Facebook the other night, like, she doesn't know what to do. Right. You know, because there's no Olympics. Like, right. what, what are you doing with your time now? <laughs> right, exactly. I should be trying to drum up business, but we're not. And even worse, something changed on one of our TVs. We only have two TVs in the house because there's only two of us, so we figure that's funny. But one of, something changed, and there's a new system, and I don't know how any of this stuff works, and I literally can only figure out how to get two channels. 
Are they the important channels? No. Oh. They are not Food Network or HGTV. So it's like Ion. I don't even know what that is. I think they do reruns of like Two Broke n- Girls. 90210 Two or Girls. <laughs> things from. So the puppy's been then. sick. So we haven't slept in, I haven't slept in about three days. So forgive me. And at two o'clock in the morning, I ended up watching the evening news rerun, yeah. which I had already watched at 11. <laughs> so I got doubly depressed at 2 a.m. because it's just, yes, yeah, no good to watch the news. But anyway, so I was doing some Googling. So I have some random things to start the show off with. And then we're going to talk about uh, building a home. I've got some clients who are entertaining that thought. And, um, and so I thought that would be a good topic we haven't touched on yet. And it's actually going to be a two-part series. I'm kind of excited. Today we're going to sort of set up and talk about just some of the background pros and cons, uh, some myths maybe to dispel, some true and false statements. Next week we're actually going to have a live guest in studio who is in the process of building his second home. Uh, and I think he'll be able to, I think he's going to have a, just an interesting story. And I think that people's home stories are always great ways to learn um, what worked, what didn't work, and how the process goes. Uh, before that, I wanted to mention, Karen, you had mentioned this morning, what had you seen on Facebook about a sale of a home recently? Yes. So Eve Plum, who played Jan Brady from the Brady Bunch, bought a home when I think she was like 10 or 11 years old. Paid a small amount of money, I don't know, $53,000, and then she recently sold it for like $2.5 million or $3.5 million. Yeah. That's some, and oh, I know, I read that story too, and it said she paid like maybe 50, it's on my Facebook page, but she paid 53000 for it, which in today's dollars would have been 384000 or something like that. Either way. So she, today's she, dollar she paid three eighty four, <laughs> but she sold it for two point whatever. I think it was in Malibu. Yeah. So way to go, Eve Plum. Yeah. <laughs> I met once I, I once met Greg Brady. Did you really? It was a pretty major day. Was in my it life. Greg or was it Johnny Bravo? It was Greg. Okay. And I, I had him sign a CD of Brady Bunch music and I said, This is like my favorite C D and he said, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> It was like at a bookstore or something. That was a while ago. Oh, good old Barry Williams. Right. Well, I found another interesting tidbit, uh, and I don't know where I came across this, but uh, I thought in light, this is about as political as I'm going to get, but um, somebody, Barron's, which is a prestigious uh, financial publication, right? I'm not smart enough to read Barron's, I don't think. But anyways, they wanted to find out what the White House is worth. And, of course, then I'll bring in the jokes about what it would take to buy the White House and blah, 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 politicians and all that. But they um, consulted some real estate advisors and estimate that about $90 million would be the fair price for the president's residence right now in today's market. So they looked at the cost of construction, which was – this is this boggles my mind. The White House cost $232,000 to build in the 1790s. Two hundred thirty-two thousand. That would be about a hundred million dollars today. Wow, that's insane. I don't even think there was that much money in the country at that point in time, because um, there were like fifteen people in the country, right? I don't know. Um, they are also looking at, like any good appraisal, uh, looking at potential rental income. <laughs> because when when people appraise properties, that's one of the approaches they look at is, okay, if it was a business, how much money could it make? They estimate it would make about $5 million a year in rental income with its 16 bedrooms. Can you imagine like Airbnb, <laughs> the White House? Um, and then market price for comparable properties, of course, they compared it with Donald Trump's uh, Mar-a-Lago Club in Palm Beach, which is valued at $100 million. Some people think it's a little underestimated and, uh, you know, they're comparing it with like Hugh Hefner's Playboy Mansion, which just sold. 
was listed for $200 million. It sold for $100 million. I think it finally got closed. There was a whole big hang-up. This was kind of interesting, too, that they were selling the Playboy Mansion, but with a life estate for Hugh Hefner, mm-hmm. which means that he had the right to live in it, live out his life in it, and then whoever bought it could take it over. I don't know how old he is. I mean, he's probably he's in his late young. 80s. Uh, or who? Hugh Hefner? He's ni- I think he's 90. Hey. I think he just turned 90. Could but be. I think the guy that bought it owns yeah. the adjacent property. So. Yeah. I'm guessing that something might get torn down. So who knows? And they said that with all the um, memorabilia inside the White House, it could, if you sold it as is, you know, complete, be about 250 million. So we'll see after the election if that goes up for up for auction. So one other thing I wanted to uh, talk about a little bit because this seems to have come up, and it's funny. I hit upon this when I was doing some research for the show, and I was just you know googling. And Karen's laughing right now. I was Googling, uh, you know, why people build homes and what do you need to know when you build a home and just trying to, you know, kind of get some ideas and stumbled upon this article that said how to manifest a house fast. And I thought, what the heck does that mean? Like Field of Dreams, Kevin Costner, if you build it, they will come. Kind kind of. of. So what it was talking about was this whole concept of law of attraction. Have you ever heard of that? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. I have not that much. I don't know. Does your friend Jill... What's her name? Bolte Taylor. There you go. Did I she wish talk she about was my it? friend. I know. Did she talk about law of attraction? I'm sure that there's some, re- you know, it's related. To everything she does speak of could right. be related back to that. Sure. So the concept of law of attraction is that like attracts like. And that positive, focusing on positive brings you positive. Focusing on negative brings you negative. I've certainly had some conversations today with some people who've been focusing on the negative, and you can see where that's taking them in their lives. And so I want to encourage them to focus on the positive. I have a client who actually, every time I see her, she says, I don't think my house is ever going to sell. <laughs> and I'm like, well, not with that attitude. <laughs> but I didn't know how to put it into words. And so when I read this, it really resonated. I was like, oh, yeah, you know, you need to throw it out there. And then it made me think of this idea. Have you ever heard of St. Joseph's statue? Yes. When you're trying to sell a house? Yes, I have. So what have you heard about it? Um, That you're supposed to bury it in the yard. I think it's the, there's a certain spot you're supposed to bury it, and you're supposed to place the head pointing a certain way. Yes. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So uh, patron saint of homes and families is one of the things that Joseph is patron saint of. And what I read was you bury it, and then you have to say a prayer every morning or you kind of say a statement. And I will tell you, I did this one time when I was selling a house before I was in real estate. Now, I don't typically counsel my clients to do this because I don't want them to think I'm crazy. But I've had clients who people know about it and they do it on their own. One of my favorite closings was I was at the closing table and the dad shows up with his adorable three-year-old daughter and she says, we were late because we had to dig up Jesus in the front yard. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> I was like, what? And they figured they were talking about St. Joseph. But the 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 prayer, the recitation that you um, are supposed to do every morning uh, that goes along with the statue is talking about thanking, you know, whatever the universe, spirits, God, that for the home being a good home and for your family and that it's ready for another family and that you're hoping that, you know, it will be another good home for a good family, yada, yada, yada kind of thing. And it does send out that positive energy, energy, I guess. And I do think it works. So anyways, I read this article and it was saying, and I think uh, Rachel has some links that she'll put up if you're interested in the law of attraction. I am by no means an expert. However, um, you know, there's some, there's some here, I think, and it's, anyways, I don't want to get too deep into it because I don't want people to think I'm a crackpot, but, but I thought this, uh, techniques to manifest a house, 
this person was writing this article and talking about how they had a very short period of time in which to move, mm-hmm. sell a house, transfer to a new job, find a place to live and all that. And they needed to make it happen. And they used this law of attraction principles. Uh, a lot of it's visualizing. So they said the first thing you need to do is know what you want. Make a list of everything you want your house to have, the number of bedrooms. This is if you're looking for a house. And I have some clients right now that are looking for houses and can't find what they want. They need to do this. List of what everything you want your house to have, what the neighborhood's like, how much land you want, what the kitchen's like, anything you can think of and write it down. And then you want to visualize yourself. And I think this is the hard part. You want to see yourself in your house. Um, You want to notice all the things around you. You want to love and appreciate about the house. Tell your house how much you love it. I know that sounds silly, but tell your house how much you love it. Pretend your house is alive and tell it how wonderful it is. Tell it about you and your family. Let you know how happy you are to live in it. Now, this is you're telling a house that doesn't exist. You've just visualized it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then number three, their suggestion is that believe you're worth it. Uh, Release any doubts you may have. Believe in abundance and that you're entitled to your dream house. And then practice practice oneness. Be at one with your house and the person you would need to be in order to have your house. What would a person who belongs in that house do and do those things? And I think that's the difference with law of attraction. It's not just... I believe it and it'll happen. But this this step four here, which sounds silly, but practice oneness is what is a person who lives in this house? What do they need to be doing and do those things? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think makes those things come. So it's crazy. A, it's not crazy. I mean, people talk to plants. They think that when you talk to your plant as you're watering it and, and giving it sunlight, that it's like you're helping it grow. I thought that was an oxygen carbon dioxide thing. It could very well be. It, but could, it could be. I don't, have, I don't have plants. Well, I have to tell you, when, when Rachel puts these links up, I encourage you to, to read. The article's not very long. What's really interesting is to read the comments. Because the person who wrote the article, people were writing and asking, um, and there's a couple of different articles um, you know, here's my situation or here's what I've been visualizing. Why is this not working? And and they give some really good information and some really good advice. I don't know. It just made me stop and think. And I think there's value in whether you're buying a house, whether you're building a house. And, and where I'm trying to come full circle with this is this idea of visualization, because one of the most difficult things I think when you are contemplating the concept of building a house is visualizing. It's really hard for people to wrap their hands around spending several hundred thousand dollars on something you cannot see um, and trying to visualize, you know, what this piece of paper is going to look like into 3D. And so um, I think going into constructing a house with this positive focus, you know, positive focusing on positive, bringing positive um, and visualizing, I think is a really important concept. So, all right, we're going to get off the liquor and uh, get back to our hardcore, hardcore boring vaccine. <laughs> Um, we'll blow the incense out. Um, so we're going to go to break. We're going to come back and talk about some true or false statements regarding building homes. So stick around. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. 
Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Interrevolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. You've heard of good things coming in packages. Well, maybe there's a little more to that saying. But when you think about it, packaging is one of the most important things that can represent your business. Tune into Ditch the Box with host David Marinak. Each week, we'll discuss flexible packaging, marketing, sales, and how it all comes together in one container. Lower costs, increased margins. Listen to the show. It might just save you a ton. Ditch the Box is heard live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. All right. Thanks for coming back after that first segment. I don't know. Maybe we'll have to try. I'm not a terribly spiritual person. Uh, if you haven't, if if you're just tuning in, you'll want to rewind, uh, download on iTunes and rewind, 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 can rewind you your cassette. There you your go, cassette recorder, uh, and listen to the first segment. We may have to delve a little bit more into this, uh, uh, some of the the spiritual side of home buying and selling. I don't know. I think there's something there. It could be interesting. But what we really were going to talk about today was building because we have not talked about home building. We talked a lot about buying and selling, and even some maintaining homes. And there's a lot of questions. Uh, one of the things I was last night sitting outside, we was gorgeous weather. Oh my gosh, I'm in love with it. It's like Maine in July and Karen's still hot no matter what. But, um, and I asked Juris, I said, so what questions would you have about building a home? And he said, well, I always thought, I was always told that you had to buy the land first and that you had to pay cash for it. And so that that was pretty much a showstopper that I could never build a home. So I think there are a lot of, and we're going to get to that. There are a lot of misconceptions out there about building a home. And so I want to start to clear those up slowly but surely. And there will be a part two next week with a live interview with Matt Doring, uh, one of my clients who's built a couple of homes. So first thing I want to talk about is um, why do most people build? Karen, do you have people that come to you and they say, I want to build? Like they just know they want to build? I've had a few that they're just for sure they want to build. These are not typically the first-time buyers. Mm-hmm. They are repeat buyers, and they, they, now they just know what they want after living in a few different homes. Right. So sometimes you get people who just know, I want to build. I want to build exactly what I want. 
sometimes you have people who sort of fall into it because I can't find what I want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I know that's sort of happened with Matt, and we'll talk about that next week, that we sold his house and looked for what he was looking for, and it didn't really exist, and so uh, they had to build. Um, but a lot of times, uh, yeah, I've got another client right now that's considering building because it just is not out there what he's looking for. There are three types of new construction projects that I could come up with anyways, uh, and I want to talk about those and how make sure everyone understands those because they are treated a little bit differently, especially in terms of financing. So the first is a spec home. It took me forever to understand what that meant. I bought a spec home. Okay. Meaning at the at the heyday here in our county when builders were just building houses knowing that eventually by the time the home is completed, they will have an interested buyer. So we happened to just stumble upon a house and it was only, I think it had been completed for about a month or two, okay. and then we bought it. So spec means speculation. <laughs> I guess I know that's so stupid, but like literally I for the longest time, I didn't really know. I, I heard the term spec home, but I didn't really know what it meant. I guess I never put much yeah. thought into it. So it was, we built it on speculation. We speculated that there would be a buyer for it. Um, so you don't get to choose your countertops and your carpets and all that stuff because it's typically already done, but it is a brand new home. So I assume you had some builder warranties that came with it that you typically wouldn't get with. We did. Yes, we did. And at the very end, I did ask for a couple of additions to things, which they accommodated. So Because it was builder offering the spec. Sometimes investors will build homes on spec, too. So just a regular person will, you know, hire a general contractor to build a home on speculation that someone will want it. I don't think that's a great investment idea, but I don't see it too much anymore right now in our market for sure. But um, so spec home is one, uh, probably the most common around. I know certainly in larger markets is what I call a semi custom. So that is that you go into usually a neighborhood, a development, and there's a builder for that neighborhood and they will offer you a set number of building plans. And usually you can, maybe make some minor alterations to that. You should usually have a few choices, a finite number of choices for countertops and a finite number of choices for flooring and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's semi-custom. Right. Uh, Do you have any experience with? Oh, I I had someone who was interested in purchasing one where it was like, just as you set it up, it's an established builder for that area. Um, there were certain things that come builder, I don't know what the, you know, standard, standard, and then you could definitely upgrade. Um, and this one particular one had an issue with the color of the cabinets. Mm. So they went and produced their own stain at a local place, ordered the stain themselves. The buyer did. The buyer did. Had them delivered. The, car, the contractor redid everything, and then once the cabinets were hung in the stain that the borrower wanted, they didn't like it. Yeah. So, but going back to what you were saying is that you do have some choices in those situations. Yeah. My, my experience has been that the more you customize in a semi-custom uh, situation, the more the builder will probably ask for some non-refundable money. So that if you back out at the end or your financing falls through at the end, that 
they're kind of stuck with a house that was built to your specifications and right. may not be desirable to other people. So uh, that is something to be aware of. We'll talk through some of those pros and cons as well. Um, and then the last option is a custom, which is a solely custom um house where you're kind of either working with an architect or a lot of people go online these days and find plans and um, customize them and make every single decision that I don't know it's overwhelming to me it's like the Kardashian West family well, <laughs> like they've been building like, their house for like 18 well, years yeah Kim and Kanye have been living for, with Chris for how many years uh, well probably since before North was born and she's like three or something mm-hmm. I don't know I, I don't watch the show really but anyways um so to me, custom is really overwhelming. There are certainly some people who really thrive on that. I knew someone um, who intended on building a custom home. Uh, it was probably, you know, in a $700,000 range. So, you know, upper end. And I think got into it and walked into a tile store and turned around and walked back out and said, nope, we're just going to buy something that's already it's existing. Hard it to, was too much. It's hard to pick. Yeah. I mean, uh, there are some, so a lot, so uh, with custom there's sort of two facets. Usually you can pick your own builder. There are some neighborhoods where you can build custom, but you have to use a certain builder. Mm-hmm. I've started to see that a little bit more around here. So um, that may be something too. And we'll talk, uh, I think um, Rachel's going to put up some links about picking your builder if we don't get to that today, which I'm guessing we probably won't as this show goes along with every other show and we don't, we run out of time. So let's, um, so we're going to talk about financing here in a second so remember those terms i'm going to quiz you on them okay spec semi-custom and custom but let's talk real quick about the realtor role so true or false you don't need a realtor when you are building a home i say that's false probably you know yeah if you're building a spec home yeah it's probably going to be listed. You should probably have a realtor represent you through that process. Did you have a no, realtor? No, because <gasps> Karen, because whatever 14 12 years ago when we bought the house, it didn't even dawn on us that we needed one mm-hmm. because whatever in our minds, don't ask me why, we're mm-hmm. both in the financial industry in this town. <laughs> we just thought, "Oh, it's being sold by the builder." Right? We get this. Like we know how to do right. this. Did the builder have a realtor? No. You sure? I'm positive. Okay. Well, I would recommend having one. Um, Usually, I think you should treat spec homes like an existing home. Now, if it's like a for sale by owner, then you kind of have to take that chance. If you're a first-time buyer and you don't know the process and you don't know how to protect yourself, you might want to get a realtor involved. If it's a semi-custom home, and like a lot of these neighborhoods, they'll have a model home on site. They'll have a salesperson. Mm -hmm. So they'll be like, oh, you don't need I'm a salesperson. That's how mine was. There was a salesperson at the model home. And like, oh, I'll show you this house. Right. So typically, if you are registered, this is where it gets complicated. And it's not that complicated. Your realtor can help you, but they have to register you. Um, with, what does that mean? Register with the builder. They have to. This is really vulgar. They have to lift their leg and pee on you. Um, that's how I always think of it in my head. It's like marking territory. Uh, the the realtor has to send a note or fill out a form to that builder that says so and so is my client. Okay. And then that builder will know that they need to kind of channel information through the realtor, uh, and that you are being protected by a realtor. But as a as a potential buyer, we should say that to the builder. Mm-hmm. 
we have a realtor. Her name yep. is Deb Tomorrow. Yep. Okay. And if you're going to visit a model home without your realtor, you should let your realtor know because she can usually, he or she can send an email and register them real quick. Gotcha. So that way the realtor can be involved in the process. Now you're still, as, as the buyer, you're still going to be intimately involved with the builder, having conversations with the builder. Um, you know, the realtor doesn't necessarily need to be involved in, you know, what color the blades on your ceiling fan are going to be. But making sure that the process is followed, that there's good coordination and communication between the lender and the title company and that everything stays on time and all that good stuff. Um, if it's a custom build, chances are you're probably not going to use a realtor. Although if you're buying land, that might be listed with a realtor. And so you might have your own realtor for that land purchase. But typically, um, a, a realtor is not involved in that unless they're working with the builder. So some things to think about there. I think I'm going to go ahead and throw it to break because we are going to come back and talk about costs and financing, and I don't want to get started on something of numbers and then jar my train of thought and confuse everyone. So stick around. That didn't make it sound like it was going to be very exciting, but I promise math is your friend, and uh, it's going to be a good segment to listen to. So stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. What if there was a radio show that could demonstrate how we can cut your taxes in half without diminishing needed government services? One that could explain how to create tens of millions of jobs at no cost to taxpayers, as well as fantastic yet easily affordable health care. Side effects include cutting crime rates nationwide, providing better education for our children, international peace and harmony, and protecting your private personal data from government intrusion. Tune in to Libertarians Working for you with Arvind Vora weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Variety. Tune in to the Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to the Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com That's Deb at RealRealEstateToday.com 
Now, back to this week's program. All right, thanks for coming back. We are talking about new construction. What if you cannot or find a house, uh, your dream home, or what if you have always dreamed of building your dream home? What does that process look like, and what do you need to know? So we've been answering some true or false questions. So here's one. True or false, it costs more to build a new home than to buy an existing home. Maybe. Maybe. That's probably a pretty good answer. (laughs) You know, it may cost you more. It may be pretty even in cost. I think it really depends on the area. So, again, this is why you want to have a realtor on your team because they can help crunch those numbers for you. And second, it also really depends on what you put into the house. Um, I analyzed a new neighborhood that was being built uh, in in our market. And the average price per square foot ranged from $90 to $118. People on the West Coast, so sorry, don't have heart attacks. Really is that cheap here. Uh, The $118 house must have had just about every upgrade available because most of them were closer to the, you know, $100 range. The average for the neighborhood for this year, these are all houses that have just been built in 2016, was $97 a square foot. Now, I compared that with another neighborhood that was just across the road, exact same schools, very similar houses in terms of square footage, two-story houses, that kind of thing. Um, just you know a little bit older 10 15 years old the prices of these homes uh, sold this year range from $70 a square foot which I'm sure that one had issues uh, up to $112 a square foot but the average for that neighborhood was about $95 a square foot so we're saying $97 a square foot for a brand new house $95 a square foot for a used house Mm mm-hmm so that's that one market, and these numbers are going to be different in other areas of the country. So you need to do that comparison. But I don't think it's fair. I think it's easy to jump to the conclusion and say new construction is more expensive. I think it's just, I think people uh, mis- misuse those words like more expensive versus like it can be overwhelming. Yeah. There are lots of choices that you are making throughout that process. Yeah, right. There's a lot more, I guess, in, in involved in the word cost. Um, upgrades. That's one where you're gonna where you're gonna let the expenses get away from you, and I think most most builder standards are carpet and vinyl, and you know these normal you know not high end but just normal average homes, right? Carpet and vinyl. So a lot of people want to um, upgrade to laminate or hardwood or tile things like that, and that's going to start to add to your costs. Um, around here, a lot of them uh, standard is white or black appliances. The lights are what we call boob lights. Have you ever heard of boob lights? No. You haven't? No. They're just the standard, like, they have a globe with a little... Oh, I've got those. Yeah. I have those. <laughs> they look like boobs. You buy them in two packs, contractor grade, $13.99. That's Menards. right. They're boob lights. That's not vulgar, is it? No, but I was thinking of that meme on Facebook where they the home project gone wrong and Uh they had hung two pendant lights oh yeah in a cathedral ceiling and the way that the shadows cast yeah yeah. sorry yeah Rachel will have to find that one Uh, standard chrome bathroom features no ceiling fans usually like a 10 by 10 or 8 by 8 concrete slab in the back Um, those are all sort of the standards and so if you want to start to upgrade from there then that's when it really starts to add up to the cost and you need to take that into account too so when I'm looking at that $97 a square foot there are probably things uh, over time that, you know, people are going to add ceiling fans. That's what we did. We took down two of the boob lights okay. and installed ceiling fans. Right. Um, most of the homes, I don't know if you remember or not with your home, but a lot of the builders don't include refrigerators. I don't know why. Um, mine did not have okay. one. See, so just standard. Stove, yes. Built-in microwave, yes. Yes. Dishwasher, yes. Fridge, no. I don't yeah. know. It doesn't make sense to me. Wiring for a garage door opener, yes. Actual garage door opener, No. 
I had one. Did I you? did have that, yes. Okay. Um, so those are things that won't might not be included. Other things to think about, like shelving units, closet inserts. Sometimes they're just standard bar, and that's about it for the closets. Um, I'm seeing in a lot of new construction, they don't put cabinet knobs on the kitchen cabinets. And certainly you can get by without them a lot of times, but it, you know adds it and those can get expensive um garage shelving window coverings did you have any window coverings in your no, house we did yeah. not you had to buy mini blinds or something something throw, first night that yep. can start to add up playset garden shed fence landscaping usually it's like their specs will say you have three shrubs <laughs> and <laughs> we'll sod the front yard but it's up to you to water it and try and get it to grow yeah and that's about it um and then some people have even suggested, I don't know if you ran into this or not, um, that the carpeting, sometimes builder-grade carpeting, is not great quality. And so you might have to replace it sooner than you would. Some people were saying, some of my research people were saying, we had to replace the carpet in three to four years. We probably should have. Yeah. But we didn't. You waited for the great flood of 2015? Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. So those are some additional costs that you need to think about that um, that are involved with a new construction that maybe don't, um, you know, you just look at the plan and you go, oh, that's a good price. Um, but there's a trade-off too. And so here's something to think about for the cost. You may pay more upfront. So say for an example, maybe you pay $10,000 more for a comparable brand new home, but maybe over the course of 10 years, you don't have to replace a roof or a water heater or a furnace or an air conditioning unit. Right. So you might kind of come out even Sure. In the end. Um, So you have to think about, is it better for you to have a lower monthly payment, which might be buying a used home, but then having some maybe unexpected costs or having some, you know, costs pop up along the way that you can save up for and use your emergency fund for? Um, Or are you better having a slightly higher but more stable monthly budget and uh, minimizing the risk that you're going to have problems? And certainly doesn't mean problems are going to go away because here's Karen in a 12-year-old house that needed... uh, it's almost like brand new on the it's inside. It's almost like brand new on the <laughs> inside because of a plumbing flood. Yeah. So um, that doesn't completely, having a brand new house or having a newer home doesn't necessarily uh, make the risk go away completely. Um, are there out of the ordinary financing costs? And we're going to talk about financing more, um, but do you have to pay for, you know, when you're comparing the costs, is it, does it cost more to finance a new home? I wouldn't say, well, certain lenders may have a, a, construction loan cl- a construction loan program that has two separate closings. Mm-hmm. Others may have one. So in that sense, those that have a two-step construction loan process, that buyer will have some additional closing fees because you're having two separate mm-hmm. loan closings. Right. The first one is to, to build the home, right. and the second one is to go into permanent financing, to go into your 30-year fixed or 15-year fixed. And so that, and that's typically for a custom home. That's for any, yes. So We're, let's circle call? back. Yep, so custom, let's circle yes. back. Okay, so we talked about spec home, like what you bought. It was already built. You just use regular old financing. Yes, regular Nothing old financing. Nothing fancy. It was just like buying an existing home. Mm-hmm. If you buy a semi-custom home where there's a builder that's building out a neighborhood, typically that is going to be regular old financing. The builder is taking a chance on you that you're going to close on the property because they're letting you make some choices. Yes, and usually those semi-custom, the builder is typically financing yes. the build, meaning that's money out of their pocket. Yep. And that's why they, like you mentioned earlier, they may want, if you're starting to get a little bit more specific with certain custom items, 
they may want you to put a little bit more non-refundable money down because they're financing this whole project assuming that you're going to buy it at the end with right. regular type of financing. Exactly. And now with that, there can be, I've seen sometimes where they have to go back and do a second appraisal because sometimes the construction's not quite done yet. Well, there's always, I shouldn't say always in our world, but there's typically a final inspection. So the initial appraisal is done based off the specs and the plans of what the house is supposed to look like and all the finishes when it's finished. And right before the home is completed or about a week or two before the loan closing, the appraiser goes back out for a final inspection. Now, if you get into some larger loan sizes, so in our market, anything over 417000 there may be two appraisals that are required for that type of amount. It's not a huge extra expense, but could be some. Right. And then with a custom home, that's where the financing gets really, really complicated, in my opinion, because every time I ask you to explain it to me, my head spins and my eyes cross and I have to go drink heavily. Yeah. I mean, it's not as uh, complicated, but um, it is hard for me. It's hard to get someone to understand. Mm -hmm. So I can explain it like 15 different ways, but Mm -hmm. not everyone always gets it. Right. Well, let's just, let me just pepper you with a bunch of questions and we'll, and we'll kind of start to clear clear that up. So what we're talking about in this next segment here is just custom homes. Um, and this is usually involves you buying the land first, Right. You don't have and, to buy the land. Or us. you can buy it all at the same time. You can buy it all at the same time. So I get a lot of clients who come to me and say, I want to buy some land, take three or four years, pay it off, and then build. They can do that. Okay. Yes. They can either pay cash, like mm-hmm. Harris was thinking, or they can go to a bank or credit union and get a land loan. Typically with a land loan, you've got to put probably 20% down or so. Yes. So I that's that's one thing. You know, if you're buying a $80,000 lot or a $40,000 lot, you need to think about that, that there uh, is uh, a down payment on that. If you buy the land and build right away. Assuming that you're buying the land, I'm just assuming you're buying the land from the builder. So let's say you're building on a piece of property where the builder owns that, mm. that parcel. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a little bit easier okay? because you're only dealing with one seller, so to speak. Right. But um, but I think a lot of people around here, they go out and they find a piece of land out in the country mm-hmm. and they want to buy it and then find their own builder and bring that in. Right. Even with that, it can still all be done with a construction loan. Okay. The purchase of the land as well as setting up that line I call it like a line of credit Mm -hmm. for the construction draw so the home can be built. Okay, so you just use the word draw. That was on my list of questions. Mm -hmm. What's what's a draw? A draw is, let's say you're building a home and and, um, your construction loan is for $300,000 because that's what it's going to cost to build it, plus a contingency in case you go over budget. That money is not just given to a homeowner to to disperse on their own, Mm -hmm. it's held by your lender. So when the builder gets through, typically it's like five stages. Mm -hmm. When they get to certain points, they say, okay, I've completed these things, footers, you know, Mm -hmm. foundations, framing, whatever. And then the the appraiser does go out and make sure that those items are done. And then we release, the lender will release a certain amount of those funds to cover that cost. So the builder would submit an invoice to the lender? Yes. And the lender would send them a check, basically? Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then what happens at the end of the day, at the end of, you said there may be five stages. 
Is there like one final closing between? Yeah. So the final draw or the final uh, amount that is going to be paid back to the builder Mm -hmm. happens at the permanent financing closing. So some builders may not want to wait for that. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Because that may, that's going to delay their payment because like, hey, the work is done. Give me my money kind of thing. But it's like, hold on a second. We've got to go through this permanent financing closing. It's going to take like three more weeks Mm. or whatever. Okay. So So it sounds like it's important to uh, find a lender who is comfortable working with a variety of builders uh, and comfortable with that process. Yeah. The builders, when they're approved by the lender, and we may talk about that Mm -hmm. later in your show, um, they are already made aware prior to even starting how the draw how the draw structure is for that lender. So they know going in, like there's no surprise at the end. Like, mm-hmm. oh, I didn't realize I'm going to have to wait another few weeks. But the to get lender my- determines that, not the builder. Correct. Okay. Whew. Yeah. I'm not confused yet, but I'm getting close. <laughs> All right, let's go to one more break so we can take a couple more shots of butterscotch snaps, and we'll come back and try and uh, talk a little bit more about financing new construction. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today, your home for smart real estate. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Are you interested in buying or selling a home? Not sure what the next step is? Deb can help. Go to realrealestatetoday.com and click on Start Here. You'll be asked a few simple questions and Deb will personally contact you to help answer your real estate questions and connect you with a realtor in her personal nationwide network of realtors. So even if you aren't in Deb's service area, you're guaranteed to find a good match wherever you are. Visit realrealestatetoday.com. Tune in each week for Monica Phillips and powerful conversations. This is a thought-provoking show for business people, leaders, and entrepreneurs. We'll feature today's thought leaders and industry trendsetters from across several locations and industries. Give yourself permission to be inspired and live a fulfilling life. Be sure to listen to Powerful Conversations live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to Real Real Estate Today. To reach Deb tomorrow or with questions and comments about the show, please send an email to Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. That's Deb at realrealestatetoday.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Tari, thanks for coming back. We're going to finish up talking about financing new construction and some questions uh, that you want to think about. One of the things we were talking about over break with Karen as I was playing her with some questions was she said there typically are several stages where the builder will take draws if you're doing a custom build, not one of these semi-custom homes in a neighborhood, but a custom build where the 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 builder finishes a certain stage and then we'll get paid for it. But I asked her, at what point does the buyer start making payments on this? So the buyer is making at least, at a minimum, interest-only payments during the construction phase. So let's say your home is going to take nine months to build. You are paying interest only every month on the money that has been used. Just on the money that's been used, on not the money on that's the been final used. projected number. Correct. So if you purchased a lot at the time of your build, or we're paying off a land loan because you, let's say you owed 30000 on the land, automatically, so we have to pay that off with your current lender. So you're paying interest on the 30000 for sure. Mm-hmm. And then any draw that the builder's doing, that's accruing interest. So you're always paying at a minimum your interest only. So, so one payment could change every month because there's another draw. Yes. That way, once the home's completed and now you want to do, now it's done and you're ready to go in what's called permanent financing and mm-hmm. you have it for 30 years, mm-hmm. let's say, at that point, you, the amount of that new mortgage is just on the money that you use. So in the earlier segment, we said, let's say it's 300000 mm-hmm. but you only use 275000 that's going to be what your mortgage amount is. Okay. At what point in the process, and this is going to be important this coming year, at what point in the process do does the lender set your interest rate? For the permanent financing, because all construction loans, you are paying, if you're doing a two-time, I can only speak on a two-time mm-hmm. construction closing, because that's how my company does it. The interest rate that you are paying in the construction phase is just set at whatever okay off the top of my head i want to say it there's some variables in there but Mm -hmm. let's say it could be like around five percent so it's a little bit higher than a normal um 30-year mortgage because if you think about it construction loans are a little risky for a lender because even though you're doing your construction loan with me you could go to another lender to do your permanent financing once that house is done there's nothing that ties you back to your lender okay you know, like we can't make someone right. do their permanent financing with us. Or what happens if something happens in that nine-month construction process? You know, from the selling and buying standpoint, you know, of existing homes, we're always pushing for quick closes because things can change. People yes. can die. I mean, I hate to say that, but it can happen. And if so you want to minimize the risk, and so you want to shorten that time period up. So now if the lender's taking this risk for nine months, mm-hmm. something can happen, and then the lender's kind of left with this half-finished house, right? Yes. Potentially. Yes. That's not good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so then the so then the final interest rate, your permanent mortgage interest rate is going to be whatever the going rate is at the time, at time the house is finished. Yes, and you can lock those um you can lock those. I I recommend anywhere between 30 and 60 days. Mm-hmm. Prior to that house being completed, your lender should be checking the rates and monitoring those. And if they're on time to be, you know, the home's going to be completed on time, you might want to get them locked in sooner versus later. Okay. And that's something I think about because there's a lot of chit-chat that interest rates are going to creep up a little bit next year. They might. 
they always seem to kind There's of simmer of ch- during yeah. a, during a. They're not going to do anything until the presidential <laughs> election is over for sure. Are there any differences in terms of credit score or income requirements? Is that all pretty much standard debt to income kind of? Um, some lenders are a little bit more. Uh, I don't want to say stringent. No, a little bit more flex, not flexible. Sometimes the debt to income ratio can be slightly higher hmm. than on a standard mortgage. However, um, there are some lenders will definitely have certain credit score required mm-hmm. minimums. It's you know we're looking at probably, I would say at least a seven hundred. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're in a rural area, the credit score requirement happens to be higher. But I would back up, too, because um, most lenders are going to need to approve a builder before anything is even started. And approving a builder means um, the builder is going to be asked to submit financial documentation. Mm-hmm. That they're legit and that they're not running the risk of references, like flaking I mean, out. Yeah, two years tax returns, profit and loss statement, uh, previous homes, homeowners that they've just built homes for. So that and everything is typically checked out, okay. and sometimes if they're not afloat, then um, you can't use that person as a builder. Okay. So first step is to pick your lender, and then second step would be to approve the builder. I mean, you're gonna have to go and mm-hmm. I don't even know at that point you wouldn't really even have to have a plan in place because you don't at that point you're just approving the builder. You're not approving the plan. Yes. You don't really care what house is built. Yeah. And then you've got to come up with a budget, and then you've got and at some point in there. Any point along the way, you can find the land and buy that as well. Right. But I, I would say check with your lender because um, most lenders already have builders already approved. Mm, yeah. Already, and so they've every if you've already area. been approved once every year, the lender will ask yeah. that builder, hey, submit your updated financials so we can just keep this sure. ongoing. So definitely this is one, uh, one of many times where you probably want to go to a local lender. I'm always a huge fan of local lenders anyways or someone, a regional lender, someone who uh, works in, in your market quite a bit and not, you know, you're not going to go to an online lender and be able to do a construction loan. I don't know too many builders that would Probably not trust, trust that, that either. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, if you've got more questions about uh, financing, because there's a lot of questions to be had there, just shoot them on over uh, via Facebook, um, and we can work on answering those next week. I wanted to talk about one last thing before we cut out for the day, and that is that uh, there's a concept that there are true or false, there are fewer risks with new construction. False. And I would say that there are different risks. Different, yes. Um, and, and one of the big ones, and I just think this is important to think about, is what if the neighborhood's not done? Um, and I've seen that a lot. As I started to think about it, I was like, oh my gosh, I can think of four examples without even breaking a sweat in our market where the neighborhood was designed for either a certain price point of home and then the builder got in trouble and had to sell off all the lots and they ended up getting sold you know, built less expensive homes. There's a neighborhood that was originally designed to have a clubhouse and a pool and tennis courts and all that. For whatever reason, they ran out of money. And But the first homes in there were bought those homes with the impression that they were going to have a clubhouse. Um, there's another one that, uh, one of my favorite stories, this little neighborhood that was being built and they were paired like patio homes, kind of duplexes. It was supposed to be retirement, uh, active 55 community kind of thing. Mm. They built two buildings so four units each at the end of cul-de-sacs completely separate like they couldn't see each other but that was the first two homes that they built at the end of the cul-de-sacs or first four units that they built and then the developer couldn't sell anymore and they ended up selling off the lots I think at auction to a different developer after they sat for years 
Um, and so that developer wanted to build just regular old houses, which have been selling very well. But here are these four units on two different streets mm-hmm. that are sitting by themselves who bought under the concept of we're going to be in a condo. So they had to create a homeowner association of four units, two units that can't even see each other, <laughs> to maintain yards. And they are completely surrounded by houses where who knows how those houses are maintained or how those yards are maintained. I mean, they're nice homes, but right. you're gonna. there's no standards or rules. There's no homeowner association for the houses. It's really weird. Now, is this here locally? Yep. And the four people that bought those are still there? Yep. I just think about when they go to... It's going to be tough to resell. And that's one of the things I want to talk about in next week's show is resell. But that's something to think about is to just really strategically think about where you buy. And if you're going into a neighborhood, whether it's a custom build or an existing semi-custom, where are you in the terms of developing that neighborhood? The less developed it is, you might get a better pick of a lot, but you're going to take more risk because things could certainly change uh, from the original plan because it can take years and years and years to develop a neighborhood. Mm -hmm. So that's something to think as well in terms of risks um that it's not all going to be things don't always go as planned i guess no we're going to wrap it up for today but like i said next week we're going to have a guest on matt doring uh, he's a wonderful client of mine i've known him for quite some time and he is in the process of building a custom build and he uh, we just sold a home of his that was a semi-custom so he's had experience on various levels and uh, i'm excited for him to tell his story and see what we can all learn from that as well as talk a little bit more about financing and that sort of thing thank you so much for joining us this week karen thank you so much as always for your insight and uh, like I said if you've got questions feel free to um, pop it up there on Facebook or Twitter or any of those social media we are always out there Uh, tune in next week and uh, be sure and download this to iTunes you might want to listen to it again there's some really good information if you're thinking about uh, selling we will be back you're listening to Real Real Estate Today your home for smart real estate Thank you for tuning in to Real Real Estate Today. Please join your host, Deb, tomorrow for another edition every Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until next week, take care of your home. It's one of your most important assets.